The Georgia Virtue presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. Welcome to episode 272. It always amazes me when I when I read what episode we're on. This week we have Trump's federal indictment. Canada is on fire. Cuban Missile Crisis Part 2. Tim Scott puts the smackdown on the view. Ramaswamy puts the smackdown on pecker surgery. <laughs> 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 the fatty from New Jersey talks crap. Johnson and get the hell out of here. Bacteria eating flesh. Modelo Supremo. Shannon's health update. Troy's new touchdown. The PGA realizes money is good. And money has to be repaid. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my part of this endeavor, Ken Pullen, who is also a representative emeritus and is being recruited to run again. No, I'm not. Do not. No. <laughs> not at all, Dave. I'm good. No, I, you said something on Facebook and, and everybody's like, run again, run again, run again. Uh, no, we're going to pass on that for the moment. <laughs> For the moment, that's a very political answer. <laughs> that is a political answer. <laughs> <laughs> so we have Trump indicted again, this time by the feds. I know, this is amazing. And and as our taping, this was a couple days ago, and I was at a Brooke Dunn's concert when this came out. But yeah, this is round two, and this is not, a not, not to brag. Not to brag. No, I think and my voice is a little hoarse this week. I think it was from singing... Uh, Brooks and Dunn songs a little too long last night. But yeah, this is a federal charge this time instead of a state charge like he faced in New York and potentially will face in Georgia. So kind of up the ante here, didn't they, Dave? Well, you know, you know, I've said on the show many times that federal prosecutors don't indict what they don't think they can convict. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that Trump did anything that any other former president has done. But they're after his ass. They are. And this is a charge under the Espionage Act, uh, as well as charges of obstruction of justice, destruction or falsification of records, conspiracy and false statements. And this is actually the first time a former president or a presidential frontrunner from any major political party has ever been charged with a federal crime. So we are making history with this. You know, the thing is, uh, first of all, under the Espionage Act, technically, he could be killed. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when you talk about espionage, uh, the 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 they will not ask for this. That this is not going to happen. But he could be shot. Yes. Yeah, they're talking about here a potential jail sentence of 100 years is what these, along with what you just said, but a potential jail sentence of up to 100 years goes along with these charges. And does any reasonable person think that he did anything that every other president doesn't do? No, I, I mean, this is, uh, yeah, this is ridiculous. You know, look, Tom, I, I, Thomas, I think, yeah, I was going to say Thomas Massey, who I think both of us really respect, a sitting congressman from Kentucky, said this is a, a sitting president arrested or a sitting president arresting his political opponent is the ultimate weaponization of government. I mean, it feels like we're at the point where the Department of Justice, FBI, and the IRS are all just ran by the far left Democrat party now. Uh, but what's because the they're goal? going after. Yeah, I don't know what the goal of this is because Trump still. I think this, again, we've talked about this the first time he was indicted, how we thought he was going to be the Republican candidate after that. And I think this just even, I've seen more and more support uh, from people on Twitter and, and on Facebook today saying, yeah, this, I'm definitely voting on Trump now. So I think he's going to be the nominee and he can still run for president. And when, even if he's indicted and potentially gets found guilty of the charges. Yeah, but, but, but here's the thing. 
I, I don't understand the goal. Um, he's, he didn't do anything that, that uh, W, that Obama, that Biden hasn't done with right. documents. Uh, what's, what's, the, what's the end goal? Even if they if they indicted him and and he was removed from the the, the Republican uh, uh, well now uh, uh, carnival of 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 candidates, Biden can't beat a a Ramaswamy or or Tim Scott. He can't. His only his only hope is beating a Trump. Yeah, but I think that is the goal is to get Trump elected. I think. They all know that the more the attention stays on Trump, the more likely he is to become the GOP nominee. And I think that's the only one that Biden could potentially beat. I thought it was funny that the Babylon Bee came out with an article. And it's a, if no one, if everyone doesn't know what the Babylon Bee is, it's a satire website. But they said Trump indicted for keeping classified it's documents in Mar-a-Lago. With your accent, it's a what website? <laughs> a parody or satire or satire. How do we say it down satire. in South Georgia? <laughs> yep. But they said he was indicted for keeping classified documents in Mar-a-Lago instead of somewhere secure like the trunk of a Corvette. <laughs> so I thought that was a funny reference to secure documents at Biden's home just sitting out in the garage and in the back of a Corvette. Yeah, and I, I honestly don't think Trump's goal was to take anything that that should have been taken. And And look, this idea that the president outgoing president is packing his own crap. It's no, yeah, this it's is, just, it, it never happens. Right. Yeah. This is not somebody who just found out they're being evicted from, from their, from their uh, apartment. Right. They and have, we'll they have a, whole a bunch of papers that does this stuff. Yep. And look, I, and, I, and I'm not standing up to, to, to defend Trump on this stuff, but I don't think he's done anything that any other president hasn't done. No, I don't think so either. I think that's just a big witch hunt. And as this is this airing or is this uh, as our podcast drops on Monday, Trump was scheduled to speak at the Georgia GOP convention over the weekend. So the GOP convention is starting on Friday. Uh, Saturday is the main business at the GOP convention. And Trump is supposed to speak right in the middle of the convention business at two 30 PM Eastern. So I would imagine he's going to have a good old time talking to the Georgia crew about this indictment and about the 2024 election and potentially 2020 election, especially the loons that that are at the convention. (laughs) Right. I mean, they're going to, yeah, I mean, they're going to be fired up with him coming in to speak and this could be a long convention day because typically you, you start a convention at 10 o'clock in the morning and it lasts till six, seven o'clock at night without having someone speak. So with Trump coming in during the middle of the day, they're going to have to take potentially a two to three hour break in the middle of the convention to hear President President Trump. Ah, just good God. <laughs> anyway, yes. New York is smoky. And it ain't weed. Uh, yeah, what a weird story this is. This is uh, <laughs> hundreds of wildfires burning out of control in Canada. And all the smoke from Canada is drifting down into the Northeast. So earlier this week, uh, New York, the airport in New York had to be shut down because it was because of visibility. And if you've seen the pictures in New York, they, it's, they I mean, you can barely down, see. They had to shut down Yankees games. Yes, right. Um, we were talking before the show. The only reason we have wildfires like this is we don't do controlled burns anymore. It's it, you know the the underbrush that normally naturally would would be burned off and the trees would survive, but the the, the underbrush would be burned off is not happening anymore. And na- now we get these giant wildfires that are that that's sending smoke thousands of miles away. Mm-hmm. This is what happened in California. When was it last year or the year before last? And it's because these states and even in this case, Canada, like you said, stop burning off the stop with these controlled burns. So when there is a fire, it just takes off like crazy because you've got all this underbrush that should have already been cleared out and, and burned. Yeah, this smoke actually is going to reach Norway over the weekend. So we're talking about a uh, thousand miles away 
smoke going all the way across the Atlantic to uh, to northern Europe. Yeah, I mean, look, it's the environmentalist uh, uh, oh, yeah. movement is not based in science. Yes, and Elizabeth Warren again is uh, taking a charge on this, blaming it all on climate change. She's saying this is purely related to climate activity, and if we don't act now, then it's going. We're going to have catastrophic, you know, catastrophic events continue to occur. Yeah, so they, she's an you idiot. know, it's like anytime. Yeah, I mean, anytime there's a shooting, right? We jump on gun control. Anytime an event like this happens, you don't look at the underlying cause of it. You just instantly jump to the climate change narrative. Yeah, she's an idiot. Uh, first of all, climate change has never not been a thing. The climate is constantly changing. Uh, whether it's an ice age or where we are now, which is <clears throat> post ice age and we're and probably pre ice age. Mm-hmm. The, the climate is constantly changing. Yeah. This is, the, this is why they moved away from global warming is. Yes. You know, it's just climate change now. Yep. Yeah. It's yeah. It, and the climate is constantly changing. She's an idiot. <laughs> I mean, she surely is. I, uh, she uh, is. I just don't know how long she can hang around, but uh, she's the gift that just keeps on giving. Well, she's she's been around for a while. Yeah, and look, and AOC got on the bandwagon too this week, and I don't know if you also saw that she had a, a town hall in her district a couple of weeks ago where people just blasted her. So uh, maybe I, I got a feeling that AOC is going to be primaried at some point. We won't have to put up with her anymore. But Elizabeth Warren is just the worst. Well, AOC's hot, so <laughs> you know. The, I thought you the, said I thought you said Elizabeth Warren was also. Nah, yeah, hey, Elizabeth Warren's not really my thing. But uh, they, the Republicans, tried to to uh, uh, insult her by showing the video she did in college of her dancing on the roof and <laughs> backfired. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, that's hot as hell. <laughs> <laughs> So we've got China is putting a, uh, they're calling a, it's being called on conservative media a spy base, but they're putting an <coughs> right. intelligence uh, uh, operation in Cuba. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that this, just came out this week, right? Yeah, this, this is sort of uh, of uh, uh, Cuban Missile Crisis Part 2. Yep. Yes, yeah, so they said that China had uh, had a, reached a secret deal with Cuba to establish an electronic eavesdropping facility on the island, roughly a hundred miles from Florida. Came out this week, and they they said the U.S. and the Cuban governments both cast strong doubt on the report, but I assume this is uh, going to move forward. I know. I'm. I'm. I'm I don't have a problem with this. And, and reason being is China is working with its ally, it's the same thing that we do. Mm-hmm. If if you don't want your trans if you don't want things that you say o- over over radio to be intercepted, don't say them. Yeah, I don't like a Chinese base being in Cuba, but I also don't necessarily like us uh, having, you know, war drills in the Straits of Taiwan between Taiwan and China like we were last week. You know, there was almost a incident over there where a Chinese boat ran into a U.S. destroyer. And it was you know, a lot of talk on that. And, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is why are we having exercises in the China Sea that's provoking these type of events to occur? Well, that kind of stuff happens all the time. Uh, it does, but it just always seems like we're the ones having – I mean, look, I guess it goes back to money for me. We're spending a gazillion dollars again having drills – in the China in the China Sea between Taiwan and China, I mean, do we need to be doing this at this point? And and why? Yeah, and why? Right. I mean, yeah, you know, it's, it's a why. There's, could you hold the same drills and and train the guys the same way at Pearl Harbor instead of being across? Yeah, right. It's just provocation. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just provoking. I I, I am I am honestly confused with the Biden's administration. Uh, a view on China and North Korea. 
I am honestly confused because I have no idea what our stance is now. Mm-hmm. No, I don't either. I don't know what we, what we would do if China invaded Taiwan. Are we going to war? Are we giving them weapons? Uh, are we going to be the same thing? Are we going to be in this Ukraine situation again where we just continue to pump billions of dollars into Ukraine like we would do Taiwan? So, yeah, it's a little confusing on what the overall strategy is. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Uh, I, I am not a big fan of the the uh, Ukrainian uh, uh, stance that we have. Because um, I have no idea what the end goal is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, me too. I think, and that's one that we'll talk about this in a minute, but I think that's what some of the Republican candidates next year for the nominate, presidential nomination are saying. Like, what is the goal of what we're doing in Ukraine at the moment. And could those dollars be spent a lot better back at home? Well, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, Republicans running as doves. Yeah, that, that's going to be, that's going to be, that's going to be different. <laughs> right. Yeah, but we're, I mean, we're going on a year in Ukraine. And I think I saw a stat that said we spent $200 billion in Ukraine so far. I mean, we could potentially spend a trillion dollars plus if this thing continues to go. And now you saw this week that Ukraine is actually attacking Russia. They've got their F-16s and they're starting to do more offensive drills. So it's hard to see where this ends uh, over the next year. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is uh, we have this this limp-wristed, uh, uh, foreign policy that, and no one knows what it is. Even with Truman, who I never agreed with, the uh, uh, the Truman Doctrine had there was a a goal. We're going to stop the spread of communism. But with 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 Ukraine and with with Taiwan, we have no we have no clear cut mm-hmm. goal on that. <clears throat> right. It, it's just go throw money at it. Mm, that's what that is. Just throw. Throw money on a fire. Well, Tim Scott decided to debate racism. Yeah, this is interesting. So we thought we'd give a couple presidential updates from the the race. And yeah, Tim Scott went on The View, which I don't think either one of us would probably do. Not that they would want us. And But you don't see a lot of Republicans or conservatives on The View. And he really went on there to talk about this viewpoint uh, that a lot of people on The View have that the U.S. is systemically racist and that there's no way for a young African-American to actually seek to be successful in the country. And that was his point in going on there of saying, look, I have, I grew up, I came from nothing. I made it, you know, I've, I've, I'm in the Senate now. I'm running for president. President Obama was our first black president. You've got a black vice president now. You've had two black secretaries of state. Uh, you know, African-Americans have opportunities, so you don't have to be the exception. And that's what he was arguing with The View. And it actually, honestly, just blew their mind. You could see them not wanting to go down this path at all with him uh, and debate this. No, they don't want to debate it because because <clears throat> he trumps everything they have. As, yeah, exactly. What, what was interesting was that he was in on Monday to say that Joy Reid is off. They purposely mm-hmm. put him where Joy Reid was going to be off. So, you know, uh, it, it, you can't you can't debate uh, Tim Scott on racism because he's black. So it, it it takes all their their talking points away. Yeah, <clears throat> he does, and he said, you know, he added. When he was talking with, it was uh, Sonny Hostin is who he was really having a debate with. But he says, you know, this view of, of yours that America is systemically racist, he said, that's a dangerous, offensive, disgusting message to send. Uh, and he said, you know, he said, honestly, both sides of the political aisle can do a lot better job on this issue of race. Uh, but I, I mean, I thought he was spot on. There's opportunities, but you have to, you know, take those opportunities and go after them. But people do have opportunities, and that's what he was trying to say, where, you know, the view, they want to do the old Al Sharpton treatment where everybody's oppressed, uh, the entire country is racist, and nobody has an opportunity to secede if you're not a white male. 
And, you know, and I'm glad he went on. I wish more candidates would go on and present their sides. But that view is a terrible group of uh, of people, though. It's hard to watch it. No, no, they're, they're, they're awful people. But the fact that Tim Scott is, you know, <clears throat> he takes all comers. You know, if, if you want me, if you want to take, you want me in the view, no problem. He does. And, he's, and he, he doesn't shrink from it. You know, no, he doesn't. And what I like about some of these other candidates that are running for the GOP nomination this year is they do have some really good ideas. They've got good points. Uh, they're all being overshadowed, though. And it's like we mentioned earlier with President Trump. I think the focus of the Democrats is to keep all the news on President Trump. Let's make sure he wins the nomination because we think we can beat him. We don't ha- we don't want to have to debate with Tim Scott or Vivek Ramaswamy or I'm not going to mention Chris Christie or, or Rob DeSantis. You know, they don't want to go toe to toe with those guys or even Nikki Haley. They want to keep all the focus on Trump. Well, no, they, 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 they don't want to they don't want to talk issues. No, no issue. Talk. It's just Trump. Trump. Trump is bad. MAGA Republicans are bad. And, and that's the message right now from Biden. And every time he opens up his mouth and starts talking, it's MAGA Republicans. <laughs> so after Tim Scott smashed down the, the view, Vivek Ramaswamy went after Chuck Paul. Yeah, and look, we, we, I know people probably say we talk about Vivek quite a bit on the show, but I like the guy. I think he's got a lot of good thoughts and good positions. But Chuck Paul is the most smug broadcaster on TV I've ever seen, but he's on Meet the Press, 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. And they started talking about uh, gender dysphoria and allowing you know kids under 18 to go through with surgical surgeries, you know, uh, all the different you know, breast removal uh, and going through puberty blockers and all that. And they had a really good debate on that, I thought. And I thought Vivek stood up well to check Todd. You know, the dysmorphia is the definition of mental illness. Uh, body dysmorphia is is people who have eating disorders. Right. <clears throat> You know, they say, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat. Like, you know, you weigh 80 pounds. No, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat. And when we when we talk about people with eating disorders, we try to address the mental illness and tell them, you know, and, and, and help them. But with body dysmorphia, we're like, oh, okay, cut your pecker off. Yep. And Ellis's point, too, is he said, you know, gender, dys- gender dysphoria for most of our country, or for, you know, most of our past, our most of our history has been treated as a mental health disorder. Only over the last couple of years has gender dysphoria been treated as, okay, let's go cut your stuff off or let's start putting you on puberty blockers. Only recently has that occurred. And he made the point of saying, we don't allow kids under 18 to get tattoos. We don't allow kids under 18 to smoke, but we think it's okay now as a society. Well, some people do not. I don't think we do. I know I don't, but he's saying, but it's okay now if you're below the age of 18 to consent to body altering surgeries. Uh, and he said, you know, if you're over 18, go do what you want to do, but we got to protect the children that are under 18. They cannot consent to these type of surgeries on their body. Someone would not find it appropriate to have sex with a person under 18. They should not be making decisions about their sexual parts. I know. And it's, you know, a lot of this stuff comes from moms, though, I think. I mean, again, I, look, I hate to blame it on the rich white moms, but I think that's where you see a lot of this coming from. And, and look, the I've read store, stories on this, and, I, and, I've, and, and not just stories, but evidence on, on this. Uh, what we find, especially with the female to male transition, is these are girls that you and I knew as goths, as cutters, mm-hmm. as, as kids who were who were depressed, and what they're what they're being told on Reddit and other places on the internet is, you know, the reason you're you're depressed is you're actually a, a, a boy, right? And, and, and the, these girls get immediate gratification when when they quote unquote transition. But once yep, they get acceptance. Yep. Once that's gone, they're left with the same mental illness they had before. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we know, based on history, that gender dysmorphia is overwhelmingly male to female, is overwhelmingly uh, presented in early, early childhood. Uh, and, and, and that's where, that, that's where we see it. And we're just, we're, we're, we're throwing that science just out, just, just, just away that, that, that's, you know, we know how it presents itself, but we're, we're pretending that we don't know. Yep. I saw an article with Megan Fox this week. She's an actress, was in the uh, Transformers movies. She's got three young boys, all under 10. Oh, I know who Megan Fox is because she is a fox. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> but look, she's got three young boys. She's got everyone I'm dressed as girls. So she has transitioned her boys into girls. And they said, even the nanny, they were interviewing her ex-nanny, and the nanny said, I couldn't say anything because we lived in California. And if I spoke up about this, I could potentially be prosecuted for speaking up and saying something. Uh, Not just that. I'm sure she was pretty highly paid. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, but Vivek, you know, on me, this is not the only thing they talked about on Meet the Press. He all talk, they also talked about Ukraine quite a bit. Uh, you know, he said our interests are not in Ukraine, and he wouldn't spend another dollar over there if he was elected president. He said that money could be spent better back at home. And he really went toe-to-toe with Chuck Paul. So very good, very good article, very good well, interview. you know what? He, he, he also could have said that that money would have been better spent by the taxpayers <laughs> right, stolen right. from. Yep, I agree. All right, so the FDA is pulling the J&J vaccine, Justin Johnson. Yes, and this is after 19 million doses have been administered. Um, I guess, what, about two to three years after it came out? But now J&J is no longer in the COVID vaccine business. And mainly it was because of blood clotting and how some of the people that had taken a J&J shot, this was the one shot instead of the two, but they had had uh, severe blood clotting disorders with this. Yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, and it goes into what we see with with these professional athletes. They're dropping dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's yeah, been quite a few. Yeah, we're seeing these extremely healthy athletes dropping dead. Now, can I can I uh, attach that to to the vaccines? No, but also they were forced to get it if they wanted to play. You know, I, yes, forced. Uh, you couldn't come into the country if you weren't if you hadn't been vaccinated. That's uh, Roger Dope, or how do you say his last name? The number one tennis player in the world couldn't play in the U.S. Open because he wasn't vaccinated because the U.S. still had that policy in place. Yeah, and yeah, so there was and with with the NFL in particular. Uh, you could you could not play. It, it, uh, look, if if you were a Tom Brady or something like that, there there were things to work around. But if you were on the margins, if you were, yeah, yeah you had to if take you it. were close to getting cut, you better take that damn vaccine. Yeah, what's the odds of a healthy twenty five year old football player? really suffering severe illness from COVID. I mean, it was almost, it was very little, if any, if anything. The people that were really getting sick with COVID were senior adults uh, with pre-existing health conditions. It wasn't 25 to 30-year-old football players that are in top well, peak we, physical We had a case where condition. a football player dropped down. He just, I mean, and it just fell out. And had had it not been on the field that day, mm-hmm. because there's there's medical professionals all around football fields, as particularly at, at the, the at the professional level. Yep. If if that if he wasn't if he wasn't resuscitated at that moment, he'd have died. But but we find this yep, with college athletes, and, and the ones that, that that really suffer are the ones that are not uh, football players or whatever. They're the ones running track, things like that, where, where you don't have the resources on hand, and and these people are these folks are dropping dead, and it's not it's, it's not even addressed in any of the media that you know what what causes a twenty year old peak physical condition to drop dead, and and mm-hmm. and look, I don't know that it is or is not. 
part of the vaccine. But, you know, and it, it's hard to say. We never heard about this before because social media is, has, has changed all that. But no one's looking into it is the problem. All right. So we have flesh-eating bacteria in Florida. <laughs> yeah, this was an interesting story. And it's actually two stories in one. But uh, I thought this was funny. It was a family at a family reunion down in Tampa Bay. This one guy tried to get between a fight, and he got bit by one of his family members and contracted got bit. a flesh-eating. Yeah, got bit by a family member. Uh, by the third day after being bit by a family member, his leg was in all kind of pain, so he had to get to the and have emergency surgery. But he was diagnosed with necrotizing fasciitis, and they were able to save his leg. But that's just part of the story. So this was flesh-eating by being bitten, but there's also a lot of flesh-eating bacteria washing up on Florida's shores this year and algae. So Florida's put out a uh, sign of a travel warning to say, you know, if you present these symptoms or you come down with these symptoms, you need to get to a hospital because it could be this flesh-eating bacteria that's going around. You know, it's, it's really early for that. It um, is, you know, yes. It usually comes later in the year when the water warms up more. Right. We, we, we see this in, in August. Yep. And typically we see it in fresh water, not, not salt. Mm-hmm. It, you know, we hear about ponds and, and, and that kind of stuff where, where if you have a cut on your leg or whatever and, and you go swimming in a pond in Florida when it's 102 degrees outside, that, that, that you get this flesh-eating bacteria. Uh, yep. that, that's, that's, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, so I guess, I mean, are we, yeah, I don't know what this does for hurricane season, but it does seem like the water down in the Gulf is really warm early this time of year. So that could really lead itself to more, uh, you know, bigger storms as we get through the season. Well, Ken, you and I look at things differently. What I thought was <laughs> it means that we're going we're gonna to have uh, more warm water fish to be caught. So we'll see. <laughs> hey, I'm still wait, still waiting on my invite to go yeah, fishing. Yeah, me too. Uh, but we're gonna see more cobia. <laughs> we're gonna see more dolphin, not not porpoise, my my. Uh, but but we're gonna see more of okay. those fish moving further and further north into the Gulf of Mexico earlier. And have you ever caught one of those big grouper or what are they called? The giant groupers that weigh two, three, four hundred pounds? Yeah, have you? Jewfish, yeah, 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 yeah Jewfish, also known as Goliath grouper, and before before anybody says that that, that you shouldn't call it Jewfish, that's how it's listed in uh-huh. in the Florida uh, uh, gotcha. regs about how, whether or not you can catch them. Uh, they are they they're protected. Um, they now allow a handful of tags to get them, but yeah the. Uh, uh, they they're they're called called bridge trolls. Uh, the mm-hmm. way you catch them is you take a giant hook, yep. and put it through a, a Jack Creval, and you put it on on cable, you know wire line, and uh, you sit it down by a bridge, and you don't reel. Uh, once you hook up, you tell the you tell the captain whoever's driving the boat to back the back the boat away to pull pull it out of its hole. Oh, wow. They're the size of Volkswagens. <laughs> they can't be as good as a, a normal 20, 25-pound grouper, could they? I've to never, eat? I've never eaten one because okay. because they've, they've been protected. Yeah. I mean, the best to me is 20, 25-pound grouper and mahi-mahi. Those are my two fish of the seas oh, that I enjoy the most. We, we could do way better. <laughs> we, 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 we can do way better. Um uh, I, I'm getting into the show that I that that I tried to. You know, <laughs> I know this went on my fishing yeah, tangent, uh, uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, they say they say the meat's really good. It, it's it's been protected since before my parents were born. I mean, my grandfather talked about catching mm-hmm. catching Jewfish, so I've I've never had it, but but grouper is is uh, awfully tasty. Yep. So Modelo has surpassed Bud Light in sales. Yeah, this was a shock to me. It wasn't that Bud Light sales were down, but it was like who is overtaken now? 
And it's actually Modelo. So for the week that ended May 20th, Bud Light sales were down 25% from the same week a year ago, while Modelo Especial uh, was up 9.2%. So Modelo has, uh, in the latest headline, says they have surpassed Bud Light in U.S. Who based sales. Who is going sales. off of Bud Light to Modelo? I mean, I don't just- know. Not me. Uh yeah, but but I did go to con- yeah I was at a concert last night and they had Modelo, but there were no Bud Lights to be found. So this is the first time I've ever been to a concert and it was you not a Bud Light or Budweiser in the entire mean, place. Th- yeah, there's yeah, got to be some Bud Light drinkers at Brooks and Dunn concert. No, it's <laughs> it's it's very interesting. Um, I don't know that, that this is a, a, yes. a function of people going over to Modelo as much as it is Modelo probably stayed the same and and Bud Light fell off. Yep. Yeah, they said Modelo sales jumped 9.2%. So that still is a fairly big number to jump. Uh, but I agree. I don't think it's I don't think it's a lot of Bud Light drinkers just going over. This could also be we're getting into the summer months and more people are wanting to drink beer during the summer. The uh, interesting thing here is I was wondering if Modelo is owned by Anheuser Busch. They're not in the U.S., but they are elsewhere. So this is not just money moving from one Anheuser Busch brand to another. Yeah, Modelo is not owned by AB I, in the U.S. I don't US. know how much how much that is a function of people leaving Bud Light. But, you know, beer drinkers are, are going to find something. And, and honestly, if, if you're trying to find something that's, that is totally not Anheuser-Busch, I mean, you would think Modelo would, would, would be the answer to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe so. But, you know, so the Bud Light sales are down 25%. Uh, Target stock has been down 18% in the last month. I think the boycott of Bud Light's going to last, and we even talked about this earlier. I'm not sure Bud Light will ever recover from from this. I think they potentially just have to get rid of the brand or rebrand it something else. I think Target probably recovers at a certain point, but their stock is down 18%, which is a big number over a one-month period. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I'm with you that Target will probably recover. Uh, Bud Light needs a rebrand. Um, I, I, the target target's been in, in the crosshairs before, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, been, been in the crosshairs before, uh, and survived. Yep. Uh, look, target is not visited by straight white males. It is overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly done by women. And, and, <laughs> You know they're not going to. They're not going to not go to Target. Right. I agree. I mean, where else going to go? Walmart. Yeah, yeah. You, you just, yeah. There's not a comparable other store to Target really out there uh, that's local that you can just easily get in and out of. This is a step up from Walmart. Yep. No, barely. So, Shannon Doherty has cancer. Yes. I, I don't know about you, uh, but I kind of grew up watching 90210, and she was uh, she was the big actress in 90210, kind of the villain, right, in 90210. But she was – you didn't I've, watch that show? I've never seen oh, that show. Oh, you need to watch it. It's good. But <laughs> I, I, I will say that, that she is – or she was, I, I haven't seen her lately, hot as hell. Yeah, she was so that, she was attractive in a sort of a mean kind of way to me. You know, dark hair, kind of mean looking, attractive. If that makes any sense. <laughs> no, it does because because I'm married to a mean woman. <laughs> you know, this is the same show. Nine hundred two one zero. They they put out a cast of characters. This was Jason Priestley. This was Brian Austin Green, Luke Perry, Ian Ziering, Tori Spelling. Shannon Darty, Tiffany, well, uh, Tor- Tori Spelling was in it because her father was the producer. Yes, producer. Yeah, but this night or two when I show back in the day was very popular, and I still remember Shannon Darty being one of the main villains in that show. So she was first diagnosed with cancer back in 2015. 
and now it's it's in her brain. But I think she's, uh, I think she thinks she may be able to get through with it. It's just going to be, a, you know, she's going to have radiation treatments on her brain now, which are they're rough. My dad had those before he passed away, and it, they are uh, they're not they're not easy to deal with. And, and look, uh, she actually has a pretty good personality. Uh, from what from what I tell, mm-hmm. can tell, uh, she went on Silent Live and and uh, they did the Salem bitch trials. And okay. uh, so she has a pretty good sense of humor about about the role that she was in. You know, you know, being you know not being very nice. Um, mm-hmm. I have nothing bad to say about her. It just you know, you you when I, no, well, you know, when I say she's hot is it's you know it's, that's just just a fact. Uh, I think, th- yeah, and she's fifty-two years old, so this she's yeah, very she young is. for this. So it, it, obviously, we both give give her our best. You know who's not fifty-two? Yep, Troy Aikman's new girlfriend. Troy Aikman. <laughs> yeah, Troy is actually fifty-six, and his new girlfriend Haley is good for Troy, thirty-four. Well, I mean, this is, he's, you know, Troy's been divorced twice now. His recently, his recent marriage that he was married to Kappa Aikman. They were married three or four years. He got divorced over the last year. Now he is on to uh, Haley, who is 34, taking trips all over the world. Look, there, when you become an NFL quarterback, there's a certain level of hotness that you're going to, that, that, that you're going to date. <laughs> so, so you're not dating like fives or sixes. You're up in the eight point fives and above. Yeah, and and Troy's a good looking dude. Yeah, he is. For fifty six years old, he stayed in really great shape. He's still on Fox, I think, doing football games on the weekends. Yeah, he's a he, he's good at what he does, and he was a good football player also. Oh, he's a hell of a football football player. Uh, but yeah, yeah I remember even, him at even Dallas. With his shirt off. I mean, at fifty whatever years old, he still. He's a he's still a solid, good-looking dude. Mm-hmm. Not that I know that sounds awfully gay. Uh, I wasn't agreeing with you. I was just saying <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen any pictures of Troy uh, bare chested. Oh, I, I I saw when the story came out. I, I I saw pictures of him on the beach and all that stuff. But but Troy stays in good shape. He's. Uh, He's still a celebrity, uh, a, a huge mm-hmm. celebrity in Dallas, obviously. Yeah, so the best yeah, to Troy and his new girlfriend, lucky. Haley, as they continue their budding relationship. Now this. <laughs> I, I've got it. We've Dude, got great wives. <laughs> I would lose everything I owned. If my, if if I, I divorced <laughs> my wife, uh, uh, I, I I I was on a podcast. I, I was as a guest on a podcast, and uh, I and I said my misogynistic joke, which is I don't judge women on a scale of one to ten anymore. It's whether or not they're worth half my. <laughs> Sorry, Eric. And I haven't found one yet. <laughs> no. This is a good time to remind you. That these are our opinions and not those of anyone not on the show or any respective company for which we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes and relevant stories over the georgiavirtue.com. This is a very interesting mule. Yes, it is. This was funny. This kind of took over TikTok and Twitter this week. But a TikTok user, she went by the name at Miss Petch. Uh, did a TikTok video. She said she was really struggling with dating now. And Dave, won't you tell the, the viewers the reason why she's really struggling? Well, she's struggling because the the men she's she's a she's a hard left liberal. The men that she meets that uh, align with with her politically don't treat her like conservative men do. And this is this is. I actually dove into this one pretty deep, so to speak. Uh, I, I, I've, I've talked to 20, uh, 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 20 female friends of mine 
to, to ask them. And some are conservative, some, some are liberal. And to a, to a person, even liberals like to be treated well by the men of the day. Mm-hmm. And that's what she says. She said she's having trouble finding a more traditional masculine role in a relationship with a man. So she won't say traditional masculine man that, you know, sounds like opens her door for her, pays for meals. She feels safe around, but she doesn't want that person to be a conservative. So she's having a really hard time finding a liberal guy that treats her nice and protects her. And it's just and, good and to be with. One of the things that, that I discovered is... It's not political, it's generational. That the younger liberal men mm-hmm. don't don't do that stuff. But older, older, you know, our age, uh, liberal men do treat women well. But it's it's it, it's more generational. But if look, I, I agree it's generational. Yeah, it's gotta be, because think if you were a twenty-two-year-old liberal guy right now and you went out on a date with another liberal female. Would you open a door for her? Would you offer to pay for dinner? I mean, I, I sort of, I think, would be terrified to even try that because you, you might get met with resistance to just doing things that you say generational, generationally we have done for years, right? My parents always told me to open a car door for your date, you know, open a door for your date, pay for dinner. Uh, I think these young guys are terrified you know, of even uh, trying I, that I did, now. I, I did talk to a, to a friend of mine whose wife is, is, is more liberal. And he said, when he holds, holds the door open for his wife, and she'll say, I can open my own damn door. <laughs> well, <laughs> but it's just being nice the at the end you. of the day. It's been nice and polite. You know, it's, it's yeah. It's, yeah, it's, same here. It, it, I mean, it's one of those things that we're, I, it's I, just being a polite if, person. If I'm walking into Quick Trip and somebody's directly behind me, I will stand aside and open the door for them. Yes, and people appreciate it. Every time I do that at the local racetrack, I don't care who it is. They say well, thank you. you. Know, I, 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 that's also a southern thing where people are just, in general, a lot nicer. I think being a gentleman is being lost. I agree. It is. It has nothing to do with minimizing women or anything else. It's not that you can't hold the door open or anything else, but it's just like you and I were talking about. I'll, I'll hold, hold the door open for a guy. You know, it's, it's, it's being a gentleman mm-hmm. is, it's something that I don't even think about. I don't either. It's just second nature. Right. It's just, it's just what you do. It's just, you know, the, the way I was raised and I, I, I'm, I'm afraid that that's being lost. So this lady that posted this TikTok video, if you went out and looked at the comments, they were all. Sort of, I mean, it went viral, right? So you had all kind of comments out there, mostly negative at her and making fun of her. And then she proceeds to make three or four more TikToks after where she looks like the looniest person you've ever met, uh, which even made those go viral at that point because they're like, who in the world would want to date you? Uh, But yeah, she's having a real struggle and uh, she's not being nice in responding to the comments and all the attention that she got from posting this. Yeah, well, that won't help. No, it's not going to help at all. <laughs> so the PGA has has made has made peace with LIV. Yeah, this came out of the middle of nowhere, and I play a lot of golf, and so this was the talk of all my golfing buddies this week when it came out. But Liv, and if anybody doesn't know the backstory here, the Liv Tour was created by a bunch of billionaire Saudis last year. Uh, guys from Saudi Arabia, billionaire oil guys over there. And they went out and paid some about 20, 25 PGA Tour players and created their own golf league, which created a lot of, uh, you know, created a lot of issues between players that saw these guys going over playing on the other tour. Greg Norman was a, a co founder of it, Phil Mickelson was, uh, Dustin Johnson, you know, a lot of good PGA players went over and they got paid substantial dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars in a lot of cases. And as the Live Tour got created last year, the PGA Tour commissioner was saying that these guys shouldn't go over there. This is, uh, you know, bad money, blood money that they're taking. This is, you know, these people attacked us on 9-11. So he made a big deal about it. And all of a sudden this week, 
they joined forces. So it's it's been quite the uh, turn of face from the PGA combining with the live because now all the money's together. Yeah. Especially when you, you know, Greg Norman is way past his prime. Yeah. He had Greg's probably 62 ish maybe now. Yeah. And, and, I, and I'm a huge Greg Norman fan. Um, but he's, he's, he's past his prime. But when you talk about lefty, uh, uh, uh Phil Mickelson, he, he's close, but He's still relevant. He's very relevant. He won a PGA Championship two years ago. So he actually went and joined a live tour uh, about a, a year after he won a major event on the PGA. Yeah, it's, you know, when, you, when you're losing people like, like Mickelson, the PGA was kind, of, was kind of hamstrung. It was. And Brooks Kepka went over to the live tour uh, last year, and he actually won a PGA Championship two weeks ago, which... I honestly think it was kind of the final straw to say, we've got guys on the live tour winning events now, so we have got to somehow pull us back together and get everyone back on the same page. Uh, but a lot of the PGA players are very hurt uh, as part of this because they said, you know, we could have gone over to the live and made $100 million. We stayed on the PGA tour thinking this was never going to happen, and now you're just combining forces with them. And I think the Bastards had a lot to do with it. I do too. Yep. Is the the Masters is is open to to anybody who qualifies? Uh, yeah, anybody they anybody they invite that has a certain you know ranking, but yeah, the Masters let all the live guys play, and they they didn't they didn't say you couldn't play. They, they give exactly zero craps about what the, the the PGA or television or anybody else thinks. Yeah, they do their own thing in Augusta. And uh, when when they brought in the the, the, the live players, I, I think I think that was that was a that that was probably a contributing factor to them going. All right, you know we need to make some changes. Yep, I agree. So we'll see where this goes. It's still got to it's still got to get. It looks like uh, regulatory approval by the U.S. government because they're joining too big sort of monopoly type firms with the DP world tour, which is another tour in England. So it's going to be interesting to see if all this does come together, but right now it's uh, on the path to, to come together as one big tour in golf. I don't know if, if, if that's good or bad. Um, I think it's good for the viewer, uh, which that's what well, I am. No, it's, <laughs> but, uh, it's, it may not be good for all the players, but it's definitely good for viewers. Having the the stars that are on the live tour on you know PGA stuff and and sitting around on a Sunday afternoon watching, yes, that's good. Uh, I just I, I I I don't know the money side of it, and you know, of course, I I never I never will because. No one's ever offered me a hundred million dollars to play golf. I mean, look, there might be somebody to offer me a million, a million not to hit a golf ball. But it, but it's, but it's very interesting that that the animosity that if if you play for if you play for live, you could not play PGA uh, uh, tour events. No, they cut you out of all those events. With with the exception of the Masters, the Players, uh, the U.S. Open, things like that. There's a reason it's called the U.S. Open. Uh, yeah. I actually saw a story of a Uber driver that, that that qualified for the U.S. Open. Yeah, they qualified. Yeah, great story this week. Yeah, the U.S. Open has qualifying events, so anybody that's, can qualify. That's 10 Cup. If they have a certain handicap. It is. It's 10 cup. Yeah. So this guy just drives an Uber car and says he plays as much golf as he can when he's not driving. So you, to make the U.S. Open, which is probably the biggest professional golfing event outside of the Masters, maybe in the world, uh, you have to qualify. So he had to go through like two or three different qualifying rounds and he made it through all the qualifying rounds and will be playing in the U.S. Open. So great story. But but you're a golfer. I'm not. Uh, um I have played golf. I haven't since I tore my knee up. Um, but can you imagine what it's like to be an amateur and then walk on to the to the U.S. Open and 
from what I saw, all the profession, all the professional golfers were super gracious to him. Yeah, they were. And his name was Barry Henson. And the U.S. Open actually starts when this show drops. It starts the same week, so it'll start on Thursday of uh, it'll be Father's Day weekend. So look for this guy, see how he does. But it's Barry Henson. Even 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 if he, even if he fought he he ends up. Oh, if he shoots 80 80, it's still a great story. Yeah, it doesn't matter how he does. Yeah, if he doesn't make the cut, it doesn't matter. But there are very few sports that you could walk on and be and stand next to professionals. You can't do that in baseball. You can't do that in football. Yeah, so there there actually are 43 spots uh, that were reserved for this, and there were thousands of people that tried to tried to secure a spot in the U S open, but he won one of those 43 spots. So yeah. And, and it's not, look, there's PGA pro guys trying to qualify for the U S open. So there's, this is not just amateurs out there qualifying. He's out there with guys that didn't qualify that needed to go through the same process he did. So it's yeah, an amazing and, story. And I mean, it, it, it'll bring a tear to your eye. The, the idea of walking onto the course and being surrounded by your heroes. You know, it, it, it'd yep. be like me walking onto a baseball field and shaking hands with Dale Murphy or, or Greg Maddox or something like that. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's a wonderful story. Yeah, it is. So yeah, thanks for bringing that up. That's student loans are going to have to be repaid. <laughs> Almost like they, they borrowed it. They are. And this is, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to believe you got to pay back the money that you borrowed, but if you remember this, that Paul's known as a forbearance, it took effect during the uh, emergency pandemic back in March 2020 under President Trump. So President Trump was the first one that uh, stopped these payments. And now it's been three years, nine extensions later, and these bills are going to come due starting on August 29th. So this will affect nearly 44 million borrowers with federal student loans. So a huge number of people that are that have been uh, not having to pay their student loans. And a lot of them thought they were going to get uh, taken care of by the government and they weren't going to have to pay them. All that's starting to become due again on August 29th. It's almost like if you borrow money, you have to friggin' pay it back. Yeah, and they, say, they said the problem with this is back during COVID in March 2020 when they stopped, a lot of people were paying two or $300 a month on their COVID lo- or on their student loans. That stopped, so these people went out and bought cars got you know bigger apartments houses and they thought they'd never have to pay that again never have to pay it back now so they really think the car market now there'd be a lot more repos uh there could even be a lot more bankruptcies now but this is gonna be a big deal for these 44 million borrowers the the thing about bankruptcies is student loans are exempt now i know you can't those are exempt from any type of bankruptcy procedures man uh they're saying that this could cause a recession. It is. They say that money coming out and having to pay the government now is going, you know, it's uh, you're not going to be able to spend it going out to eat. You're not going to be able to spend it on cars and on all these extracurricular type activities that people do because they've got to pay the loans. So they're really looking at this later this year is, is this going to plunge us into a mini recession? And And I have a very unpopular opinion which is we need a recession. <laughs> Just a small one. Well, we need to have a market correction. Um, we, we, the, the salary increases and all that stuff is unsustainable. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been crazy. Even in my field, it's been crazy for the last three or four years, five years. And if you majored in... Lesbian studies of the 1600s. That's on you. Mm-hmm. You know if it, but I, if you if you didn't yeah. get a degree that uh, translates into into income, that's on you. Yeah, and I've I've been going down this student loan with my son. He's not. Hey, he got a great scholarship, so he's not going to have to borrow any money next year. But I wanted to see what type of process it was to get student loans. And it's not, I thought it would be a lot easier than it was. It wasn't easy for him to even qualify for the student loans, but you know, there's federal student loans, there's private student loans. Some interest doesn't start until you get a job and get out of college. Some interest starts while you're in college. 
So there's all kind of flavors of these student loans that you can get. And I'm assuming a lot of kids have multiple types of student loans. So it's not just one. It could be two or three different loans, and they've all got interest accruing with all different payment amounts. Yeah, and they don't understand. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's tough to explain to an 18-year-old. Yeah, there's no way my son Luke can make a decision. I mean, he's a smart kid, but I wouldn't want to make him. I wouldn't want him going through a financial decision to borrow tens of thousands of dollars at 18. I, I don't know how we expect any kids to make great financial decisions at 18 when we're not teaching anything about financial literacy in high school. I mean, that's not taught at all. And you're exactly right. Uh, I I talked to a to a kid who. Hey, he was 22. He was getting out of life college. He was going to be a chiropractor. Uh, and he told me he had a hundred something thousand dollars in student loans. Uh, and he mm-hmm. used part of it to buy a motorcycle and, and, and stuff like that. And I said, do they teach math at life? Because I asked him, how much money do you get for cracking a back? He's like, uh, f- about 50 bucks. <laughs> and I said, right. son? Do you know how many backs you have to crack to pay that to pay that loan? <laughs> and you know, and, and, it, and it was it was when I put it like that to him, uh, he was he was kind of stunned. Like you know, he yep, owes uh, at the time. This is several years ago. He owed like a hundred and eighty something thousand dollars in loans. I said, do you know how many backs you have to crack to, mm-hmm. to, to, if you paid for nothing else, how many backs you'd have to crack to do that? Right. And I'm not minimizing what what, what chiropractors do and all, all that stuff, but it, it, it was me breaking it down to the, the easiest thing possible. All right, Kenny. Mm-hmm. You got any uh, closing thoughts? I know what you mean. Yeah, I think I mentioned this earlier. I went to a Brooks and Dunn concert last night. I was absolutely shocked at the number of teenagers at a Brooks and Dunn concert, uh, seeing how Brooks is 70 and Kicks Dunn is 68. But the entire time I was there, there were teenagers around me Snapchatting the entire concert, and that's all they did. Look, put your phones down when you go to a concert. Enjoy it. Have fun. And stop Snapchatting the entire damn time. That's my closing thought. You look, man. Uh, um, I'm a huge Rush fan. Um, of course, they're not touring anymore. That they don't exist anymore. Neil Peart uh, died uh, last year or so. Um, the most I would do would be take a picture, like a selfie, take a picture of myself. But the people viewing, you're, you're there live. Why would you? Yes, and you ne- you never watch these videos again. I mean, you take a hundred videos at a concert. How many times do you go back through your videos and watch them again? Now, I took one video last night of Red Dirt Road because that is an incredible song, but that was it. <laughs> well, it it's it's not just that. Is is it, you have the performer right in front of you, and and, and you're viewing enjoy it, it through a four inch screen. Yes, the entire time. I mean, there's people that never put their phone down the entire concert. Well, mine is uh, uh, somewhat selfish. Uh, Shepherd's Rest, uh, which which I I am a, a board member. They are a uh, um, they are a, a women's shelter uh, in Paulding County. Anybody who wants to wants to make a donation, please do. Please, please do. Um, because I am who I am, uh, I was able to go on another podcast, and I, I'm bring, bringing in the one of the co-hosts from that podcast to to our to our board meeting. Uh, it is the work they do is so important. And, and, and I think I mentioned on the show before, it's, it's hilarious that that I spent 45 minutes making misogynistic jokes. And then uh, uh, Doug, the, the, the host, asked about my philanthropic work. And, and, and Melissa, his co-host, was shocked. 
absolutely shocked that after after this guy makes all these horrible jokes for 45 minutes is deeply involved with, with the women's shelter. Uh, so if, 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 if it touches your heart, if, it, if that kind of stuff, please, uh, they're not hard to find. It's called shepherd's rest ministries. They take exactly $0 from, from, from government. Uh, it, it, if you can send two dollars, it helps. So, uh, I I don't usually end on on, on heartfelt stuff, but this this is you know this is a charity that 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 touches me very deeply, and it, it, anything I could do for them, I I I, I certainly will. So. On that note, thank you very much to Eric Cumby, our editor, to, to Ken Pullen, my, my partner this endeavor. I'm Dave Roberts. We'll talk to you next week. Catch me howling at the moon